at the end of that tape, when I picked my jaw up off the floor and I said, if they can screw us this bad here, what the heck else is happening that we don't know about? That's where I started. And he'd say, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. So what I'm doing here is very selfish oriented. And I protect it, and the best way I can protect it is to help other people find theirs, and then we become a group of strong individuals and not a herd of weak animals, okay? And that's their fear, is us. They've got one fear. They've got plenty of money, plenty of influence, even some power that they can buy and control, but they're scared of one thing, and that's us collectively. If you are like me, you are constantly searching for the best solutions to keep you and your family healthy. We all know that diet and exercise is important, but unfortunately, diet and exercise is not enough in today's toxic and nutritional deficient environment. No matter how much you try to eat healthy, soils depleted of minerals will not produce sufficiently nourishing food. That's why we have carefully curated products on the controlyourhealth.care website that keep you fully nourished. The Healthy Foundation Pack for those wanting a complete nutritional program, the On The Go Pack for those looking for a more convenient yet quality solution, and the plant-derived minerals for those on a budget who need more for your money. Starting at less than $30, you can get what our bodies lack the most, and that's minerals. The plant-derived minerals contain up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants in their unaltered colloidal form, which will give you nourishment you just cannot find in today's food. The price does not mean less quality. Far from it. Plant-derived minerals are also in the complete nutritional program, and these minerals are what our foods lack most. Plus, it comes in tasty flavors for the entire family to enjoy. So if you're on a tighter budget, plant-derived minerals are for you. You can find links for these and many other products at controlyourhealth.care or at sarahwestall.com slash shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. This is my part three of my very long discussion with Roger Sales. Yes, it's part three, so it's pretty long. If you have not heard part one and two, I really highly recommend you go back and listen to those. There's a lot of detail in there and everything makes more sense when you listen to things in a series. And I want to tell you that a lot of people are yearning for this information. And if you're one of those, this, this show really isn't set up to be a lesson format. I mean, it's really set up to be an engaging, entertaining, hopefully entertaining show where we introduce you to different concepts and different ideas. And then if you like those ideas, you can get more engaged and then go learn more on your own. That's the whole point of this. But Roger has been so gracious to offer new student packs for people. So if you contact him at radioranch at mail.com, he will send you a new student pack and you'll get interviews and paperwork and all sorts of things to help you learn how to do these things or what what's this all about. I think it's a good idea for those that are really just confused in general. I don't know who else. I don't know who isn't confused in general when you start digging into this stuff because there's so many people with different ideas. And I think it's important to look at different people with ideas and just to stay safe. The government goes after people hard on this stuff. So you want to make sure you do it right and that you stay safe. The other thing that Roger did, he's so gracious. He's such a great guy. For my members of Ebonier, he has given us a free version of his book, Sovereign to Surf. 
Government by Treachery and Deception of Words is available for members of Ebonier. If you're not a member of Ebonier, you can go to sarahwestall.com and sign up. If you can't afford it, send me a message and I can give you a free membership. I just ask that you share my work in exchange for a free membership. I think that's kind of fair. And just to let you know, in his book, he has a prologue that was done by David Strait called The Advent of Modern Voluntary Servitude in America Through Deceit and Deception, which is what they are doing, trying to deceive all of us, which is very sad that we're in this situation. But with who we're together, maybe we can free everyone instead of just ourselves in the long run, because I just I can't stand the fact that it takes your entire life to learn about this. By the time you learn it and figure it out, you're already spent 60 years in the system. I think it's fair for us to free people who are born, you know, free the, the children. I think that's a, a great goal to have. And for those of you who do want a copy of his book, there is a link below for you on that. I also, just a, a quick note that Dr. Zelenko has a new formula for his Z-Stack. I know a lot of you buy Z-Stack just to stay healthy, and he has a stronger formula out now. He recommends that for people who are at high risk, and there is a link below for that one as well. So look for that. And don't forget, when you go to my website at sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter, and please share my newsletter with everyone you know. And also, there is an important video that's up there about the who and the amendments and the takeover of the country that they're planning on doing that will be implemented in November. If you have not seen that, it's urgent. It says urgent on it. Please watch that, share that with others. That's very important. I know it's starting to get out there, so I'm so glad. SGT Report did a show with James Roguski, and um, people are starting to talk about it, but it really needs to get out there. It comes before that pandemic treaty. The pandemic treaty is a horrifying nightmare. This comes first, and it's also a horrifying nightmare. It pretty much does with the pandemic treaty, what they're going to do. Pandemic treaty is going to be much broader and wider, but this one takes away our sovereignty, which is what their goal is. Sovereignty as a country and as a world, I mean, each country will be under their jurisdiction. It's, it's very frightening. So please listen to that show. And I think there's some things we can do to push back. It's very much like the TPP. And uh, for those of you who remember that. So anyways, let's get into this really good conversation, part three with Roger Sales. So let's go over here to the IRS code. All right. And that's I'm going to what I'm going to quote you right here is from the Code of Federal Regulations. All right. And that's the rule book, the guidebook of the administrative agencies. Do you know there's over 500 administrative agencies up there now? Over 500 of them. Now, these are the the uh, self uh, the appointed bureaucrats that aren't elected that take the original legislation passed by your elected representatives, tangle it and turn it around and regurgitate it in the form of man-made little laws called regulations. And they're the ones that come enforce them on you. So the administrative state is the deep state. That's what Trump could never get around because the Democrats are almost impossible to fire. Okay. And they're the ones that are making these laws and putting them in the power of these administrative agencies. And I'm going to show you their jurisdiction right here. All right. There's over 500 of them. And the IRS is not a government agency, by the way, but that's another topic. Who owns the IRS? Right now. IMF. IMF, their collection okay. agency for the IMF who's got us in bankruptcy. Okay. Oh God. Okay. And so, uh, oh yeah, it's very, it's very convoluted. Okay. And it's real sick. All right. But the good news is you can get out of it. 
easily, and they won't say anything, and they can't say anything. So let's go to their jurisdictional statement. There's 50 titles of the Code of Federal Regulations. Do you know? I'm sure you don't, Here, This is a rhetorical question. There's three sets of law books in the law library. There's the organic statutes at large. Those are the ones with the real laws of the United States. And if you go to volume number one of the statutes at large and you open up the front cover, the Declaration of Independence is there, the Northwest Ordinance is there, the Articles of Confederation is there, and the Constitution is there. So who do you think those law books apply to? Okay. Those are law documents. They're at the first of the law book number one. All right. Then there's another group of law books called the United States Code. That's the Roman Civil Code in modern operation, and that's a mixture of equity of merchant law and common law. All right. And then there's a third set of law books for the administrative state. Underneath those, they attach to the subject matter of the United States Code. In other words, if t Title Eight is immigration. Title VIII's Code of Federal Regulations is immigration and just regurgitating the statutes into regulations for the administrative state. I know that sounds complex, but that's the way they've set this thing up. Okay, So man-made laws can govern instead of constitutional God-given protections. So if you go to that group of law books, there's 50 of them. Each one of them corresponds to a title of the code. Title 26 is the one we're particularly interested in here because it's the Internal Revenue Service. It's different from the other 49 titles. In the other 49 titles, when you open the first page, they put their jurisdictional statement on the first page, Sarah, and their jurisdictional statement is for residence. All of the regulations in 49 of the 50 titles only are applicable and can be enforced upon residents. The only one that's different is Title 26, and that's the Internal Revenue Code. And I'm going to read you their jurisdictional statement. I'm going to read it. I know it by heart. Okay. And it is at, if you want to copy this down, go look at it. I'd encourage you to do this. Just don't take my word for any of this. Okay. 26 CFR 1.1 dash 1. Parentheses, small a. We'll give that again. 26 Code of Federal Regulations, abbreviated as CFR. 1.1-1, parentheses, small a. And that entry on the first page, if you open up the front cover, it's on the top right of the first page. And this is their jurisdictional statement. Now, we agreed before. Sarah, I got your agreement on this. There's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave, right? Remember that? Although we we also decided that there's two types of slaves, but go ahead. There, well, there there's two categories of free people. There's only one type of slave. Okay. Okay. There's an American Samoan and there's a national. There's a non-citizen national. There's a national. Those people are both free, but there's only one category of slave. All right. And the interesting thing about that dialectic right there is that on the slave side. It doesn't matter how much of you is a slave, you're a slave. If somebody owns 0.00001% of your labor, you're in servitude to them. But on the other side, the free side, the dialectic side, the opposite one, you've got to be 100% free to be free. And you can be as small as 0.001% and be a slave. So there's a dialectic within the dialectic, if you get that. You know, and I know I'm throwing a lot of very complex stuff at you guys right off the bat. I know it's confusing. Okay, and I don't mean to be. I want to give you things to noodle on later. All right. 
So if we go back to that jurisdictional statement, it says an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. Say what? Okay. What is Jose the tomato picker doing over here owing two sections of income tax code? Non-resident alien. Well, that's got to be Jose the tomato picker, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, how about if you're a tax attorney and you're reading or, or a tax preparer or something, you're reading that and it goes, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all U.S. nationals. Does that have a little different connotation to you? Maybe. The tax attorney is going to go, look, I don't know what this national guy is, but he only owes two sections of the code, and I'm going to go find out who he is. Instead of, and only to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident. What, what's, if we become free, what, which we should be anyways, which is all BS, but if we fix that, what parts of the code do we owe? What do, should we owe in taxes? Those, those two. Those what two. are those, what are those two again? probably never owe them. Well, one of them, I virtually would say nobody would ever owe. And that is a tax on expatriation if you want to leave the country and go trade your free passport if you're a national over for another slave country's passport. And I don't ever see that happening because there's no other free countries to go to, okay, quite frankly. The other one is a tax on corporate bonds like uh, Bush Haber versus Union Pacific Railroad. Have you ever heard of that case? It was the first case on the 16th Amendment. No. You ever heard of that, Sarah? Okay, well, it's a very famous case. It's quite dry and boring. You don't need to read it. But if you, uh, it was a case on, they said Frank Brushhaber owed some tax on these Union Pacific Railroad bonds. The reason for that is because certain corporations are given life by the federal government, not necessarily the state government. And railroads were one of them because they cross state lines. And so if the corporation was given life by the federal government and you gained a profit by owning their bonds, you owe a tax on that because the federal government gave the life to the corporation. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Well, okay. then. Well, that's what's going on. Now, hold on, let me prove this to you. Don't, okay. Don't Go ahead and prove it. it. All right. Every time there's a, a, an important tax case in the Supreme Court that deals with taxes, the Treasury writes what's called a Treasury decision so that it can interpret the findings on the case for the Treasury. So if they need to, they can apply whatever the findings were in their tax collection activities. Okay. Now, the Treasury decision, they're referred to as TDs, the Treasury decision that was written off Brushhaber, I believe, is 2313, all right? I went to the Emory Law Library in Atlanta and looked this up myself personally. You can do the same. If you've got a law library in your area that's titled a federal depository, it's got information like this in it, okay? And so I went to the book that's got TDs in it. I opened it up. I found it. And I remember the treasurer, secretary, it wasn't the secretary of the treasury because they didn't have one. The treasurer in the United States was a guy named McAdoo, which is a pretty familiar political name to people that have studied American history. It's an unusual name in McAdoo pops up. Well, he was the treasurer of the United States at this point, and he wrote this treasury decision. And on the first sentence, it says, Frank Brushhaber 
a citizen of the state of New York, and a non-resident alien. So how are they using that term? Remember the questions I ask you. If you're not a resident, then you're a non-resident. You got to be pregnant or not pregnant, right? Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you're not a resident, you're a non-resident. And if you're a non-resident, then your free status is alien to the surf status of the 14th Amendment, isn't it? So that's why they're using that term there. You see how you now look, what we're doing today, I'm undressing your enemy flat to the bone. And if you thought these bastards were ugly before, you just wait till you internalize this information. Well, I'm not, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can get much uglier in my mind. Oh, they're, 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 they're real ugly. Now let's take that example and let's juxtapose it over to the, where I found the answer that I'd been looking for for 15 years when I was told by the little voice that I needed to get out of the country in 2007. Okay. And I'd never traveled. I didn't know foreign language. And when it came to me, I just dispelled it. I put it on the back burner and it came again a short time later and said the exact same thing. You need to get out. I'd never had a passport before. I'd always kind of wanted to live in a different country from my upbringing. My dad was an Air Force officer. Why did you have to get out? Well, I didn't. That's what the voice told me, okay? It's when Obama was running. It just said you need to get out. And so I'd always kind of wanted to live in a foreign country because we'd never done it when I was growing up. My daddy was an Air Force officer, and our foreign assignment was Alaska. So it was in the U.S., you know. All my friends had lived in Spain and Germany and mm -hmm. Japan and all these cool places, and I always wanted to. I'd always entertained that. Well, I'm sitting there going, well, where would I go? I don't speak a foreign language. I've never traveled internationally. And I had a good friend from the record business who owned property in Argentina, been trying to get me to go down there. And so I, when, when the second time it came, and then I saw this program, and I said, well, that's where I'll go right there. My buddy had been telling me about it. He had friends down there already. And so then I went to the post office reluctantly, Sarah, and went and picked up two passport applications, one a DS-11, which is the original one if you've never had one, and the other a DS-82, which is renewal. I just grabbed both of them because they were there. I went home, put my feet up on the desk, reluctantly started reading the, the, the DS-11, and there at the top of the first page is the answer I've been looking for for 15 years. I'm not kidding you either. Okay. And uh, what had happened was early on in my tax, they only let my teachers teach for six months before they raided them, shut them down. This is in 1992. And we knew the federal government didn't act that quick on anything, and especially back then. And so they were on to something of great substance. And so um, I had written, one of our guys had written the Secretary of State of Nebraska and said, could you send me some sort of documentation that I'm a Nebraska state citizen? Because that's what we're talking about is state citizenship. Okay? Mm -hmm. Just call the national. And so he got back this beautiful letter, man, gold embossed and gold things flowing down the side of each side of the letter and the big seal in Nebraska with a buffalo up there and stuff, if I remember right. And so-and-so is a proud citizen of the state of Nebraska. Well, all of us wanted one of those. And so I wrote the Secretary of State of Florida, where I'm from, and uh, proud to be a Floridian these days, by the way. Yeah. And uh, they wrote me back and said, well, sorry, bud. I can't do that for you because the Secretary of State of the United States has exclusive jurisdiction on all matters concerning citizenship. 
I was real green, but that sentence stuck in my mind. And when I picked up that passport application there at the top, it says secretary of the States of the United States of America. And in those days at the very top of page one, they had what I call your get out of jail free card. It's in the passport instructions, but you got to know all this other stuff we've been talking about to understand what they're telling you. Cause they don't, they tell you, you can get out of it, but they tell you in very threatening language and they don't tell you why. And the way they do it, Sarah is, I think it's in on page two or three. Now they keep changing it around, but you know, on drugs, they have a thing called a black box warning. You know what yeah. I'm talking about where there's yeah. a, and it's got big warning there. Well, this is a warning. It's a black box warning without the black box. And in the instructions, big, bold, capital letters, warning, you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits, comma, but you better not lie. And they string cite about seven different sections of the code they're going to charge you with. So they tell you, you can attach documentation. They don't tell you what, and they say, if they lie, they're going to put you so deep. They're going to have to pump daylight to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that is your get out of jail free card. When I saw the word affidavit, I knew we had them because that's what we had used in our tax endeavors was an affidavit to the IRS. We didn't know, unfortunately, about this nexus with the secretary of state and shame on my teachers. They should have known, honestly, but they were so totally fixated on the tax system. If they would have known that back then in 1992, we may live in a different world today, mm. but they did not and we don't. Okay. But fortunately I've stumbled on this down the line and I don't know what impact we'll have, but I can tell you this, they're scared to death of this. It's the only thing I've ever seen put in front of them that makes them stand mute. A friend of mine, uh, Andrew, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, who wrote the synagogue of Satan, he calls them the guys that always have an answer for everything. They don't have an answer for this. They stand mute. Okay. So, uh, if you do this properly, they can't, touch you is what you're saying. This is, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do except take the mask off and be open tyrants. That's their only option. And what you did initially was, wasn't correct because you didn't have it all figured out. And that's why they were going after you. But once you correct, figured this we only out, followed, right. Well, they've never done anything since uh, they, they've tried to fool people again, but they don't do it very often. And any of my students, that's why I want you to learn this stuff. So you get educated because this is the, the crux of it. You can be free, but your freedom is in knowing the information because that's what allows you to become re-empowered. That's what allows you to defend your position. Should it ever be challenged? Your freedom is in knowing the information, not in filing a piece of paper. Okay. And here's what that. happens. Here's what happens, Sarah, when you're born, you're, we're, we're spiritual creatures and we're supposed to have these God given laws at birth. And as soon as you come out of mama's birth canal, they throw this blanket over you of slavery and separate you from being connected to your spiritual creator and being a recipient of these, these wonderful gifts he was intending for you. Okay. Yeah, the whole thing so is now BS. that we. That's right. And so now down the line, when we change that and remedy it and move back into that condition, we start becoming associated with our creator again, because we're under his rights and owe him duties now and not the federal government. And so what starts is you get re-empowered, but you get re-empowered because you know and understand the information and it feeds on itself. If you're one of these people that just wants to file paperwork and not learn anything, see, when you file this, 
Nothing changes. The world doesn't change. You're going to go see your best friend down the street that you go out to lunch with, and they're not going to tell you, I'm buying your lunch today, Sarah. I want to congratulate you for getting your freedom and filing this affidavit. Well, that doesn't happen, okay? They don't know what's going on. They don't understand it. A That's piece right. of paper nothing means changes. nothing. Exactly. What changes is you. You've got to be the change. And you become the change by internalizing the information and becoming re-empowered. And that's what's happening. Is the, And I've noticed it because I saw it in me uh, initially and when I couldn't get anybody to listen to me, see. But I was in this condition, and I knew it pretty well, even though I didn't know it all like I do now. But I felt myself become re-empowered. And then when I started getting on the radio 11 years ago and teaching other people, and a couple of real good students come along, and I can see them develop it. And when I saw it in them, I recognized what it was in me. Okay, well, that's does really that cool, sense? but yeah, it, it does. Now, let me ask you, are you able to do, is it just all about you? Are you able to then start making a difference on things around the world and, and doing things? Or is it just well, about now I, I got that... individual freedom? Because to me, that is okay, but it's not the next stage of us trying to make a difference. Well, isn't that what I'm trying to do here? Yeah, you are. I know you're educating others. You're okay. doing a great job. But I, I I'm mean, talking you know, about. As I told you earlier, the the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. And I love my liberty, and I'll fight you for it. And I'm gonna do my very best to turn you onto this and educate you to a point where you got the balls or the breasticles, as one of my female students says, the breasticles to move forward here. Well, and I would like to see how we can you you shape you shape laws and, and ways people act and you know like we we can all work together to to bring people to justice i mean what do we well, do with human traffickers that kind of stuff this is not well, okay well you know well see when we get free we can do things like have common law grand juries of people that are free yes. that can access the common law all these people that have been having common law grand juries since oklahoma have you ever seen any of them accomplish anything no why not? There are a bunch of serfs going, we're going to rise up against the Lord of the manor. I don't think that ever even happened in a thousand years of feudal history. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now you get a county where you've got 12 plus people that have filed affidavits and maybe even get the benefit of having a sheriff who understands your position and backs you up. Now it's a horse of a different color now, isn't it? Well, that's why I'm saying you have to have a lot more people understanding it. Once we get to a certain well, threshold, though, we can just say end of this, and we just we write a law and say nobody's a serf anymore. This whole feudal system's done, and we move on, and, well, and we, we, we become a more enlightened humanity. Because we this is like well, pre-Magna Carta stuff. We're living in, this is terrible. This is incredible. You know, we found a book on BitChute from 1577 about this very thing, voluntary servitude. It's an audio book. You can probably search it up. 1577 voluntary servitude. Uh, go, go look it up on BitChute. You might can find it. They, this isn't new information. It's been around for a long time. Okay. But when you really get into this and get the, uh, even a rudimentary understanding of what's going on here, I'm pretty sure you'll reach the same conclusion I reached years ago as I was coming into that realm of that, Ain't no mere mortal man figured this out. 
this is some sophisticated stuff right here. This is straight from the pits of hell. And the reason I say that is just like there's only two statuses, you're either free or you're bond, okay? Well, freedom is God's plan, and slavery is Satan's plan, and there ain't no other plans. Now, this is terrible. Well, I, I think that we can, if we can get enough people to understand it, I also think that these movements, the ones who aren't guided by the opposite side i think we can we can get more movements working together and stop fighting each other because that drives me nuts and that we figure that stuff out see the the good thing we got going for us we don't need copious amounts of people we just need a real strong concerted minority to light brush fires in the in the minds of men as john adams i think said or monroe one of them but you remember it was only three percent of the people that wanted to fight king george the rest of them wanted to go along with old georgie boy Mm -hmm. okay so yeah. we don't need we don't need 300 million people to file affidavits but boy if we had 20 or 30 million whoo you don't think it'd get their attention i promise you they somebody on the 7th floor of the state department every time they get one of these things in up there and they're getting a lot of them here lately somebody's sphincter muscle tightens there's <laughs> nothing they can do about it okay well, I hope it tightens a lot more to the point where they get well, some. Well, me too. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why I've done all this sacrifice. I don't charge anybody for this. I don't think I should charge you for your freedom. There's work from you that's got to go into it for you to achieve it. And that's what I want you to put forward is the work to learn the information so we can get a firm foundation out of there. So when we go to rebuild this thing, you take America back. What are you going to do when you take it back? How are you going to solve the incredible debt problems? How are you going to solve 15 kids from 20 different fathers? How yeah. are you going to solve all that? Well, we, okay? we, we first need to get access to those bonds that have been, because we'll have a lot of money with that, the fraudulent ones. And there are people working on that. So I, I would like to see them being more, well, it's, there be more cohesiveness. I don't think you're ever going to get anybody that. Uh, what, what you do is you cut off the payment so you don't enrich them on their fraud any longer. About about 50% of the bonds in the world, U.S. bonds, are now owned by the Federal Reserve. Why do you think they're talking about setting you up an account with digital currency to the, directly to the Federal Reserve and not a bank? Because they're holding the paper that you're slave by. Yeah, well, and then what we do if we cut them off, and then the taxes start to go to pay i mean we'd, we'd have an over an abundance of stuff is what would happen well, won't, the whole world won't would change. be any more taxes if 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 we go through this there won't be any taxes and, and the people that are usually the productive members of society are the ones that are going to be interested in this and if all those pull out of the tax system you got all the deadbeats that are riding it the whole thing's going to crash right there well i do think you know this is where people might disagree with me i do think that you know, we have, we can do it through private means and things like that. But I, I do think that there's a reasonable amount of things that we can do together to form a community that takes, what? but we would have an abundance. I mean, we, it would be a totally different situation. Well, that's what we've got starting. We got that starting right now. And about the hottest, I got two real hot spots right now in the country. One of them is Flathead County, Montana. And the other is Southern California. And both of those situations are really heating up. I got 18-year-olds calling into my program wanting to be free. Yeah, people are tired of this shit. Okay. They're just tired of it. So, 
it's it's so refreshing for me to see these young people coming to the I table because mostly it's all us us old farts. You know, you got to be long in the tooth and have your ox gored and have a lot of life before you can look back and see the differences and apply them. Okay, and these young people don't have those advantages. Exactly, you get your ass handed yeah. to you for a while. So basically, they're get, they're seeing another perspective because they're hearing about it. Like my daughter's starting to think about it because she went. We went to a, a seminar type of individual meeting. That's why I just think that there's we can start. We don't we don't want these different groups working against each other. We want to work with each other. There's so many good people that really just want freedom. But okay, we are going on. Gosh, this has been a long one, which is okay. It's almost two hours now, so it might even be three parts. It already okay. So let's um, we're gonna have to schedule another one to deep get into other things. But where can people hear from you and learn more from you? Okay, I'm on. I'm on. Uh, you know, I'm an old radio guy. I got started playing the hits when I was in my early twenties, and went and uh, spent ten. 10 years active and 10 years teaching about the big time record industry. I used to work for labels in Atlanta, calling on radio stations, get records played. And then I've been doing these radio programs off and on for a little over 11 years. So I'm a radio animal. Okay. Basically, uh, you know, I got RF in my veins as they say, um, I have, I have uh, five days a week. I'm on a platform called Euro folk radio, Euro folk radio. And I'm on from, uh, 11 to 1 Eastern time. And we have an open conversational format. I use a Jitsi, which is kind of like a Zoom, but everybody can participate. And we've had as many as 47 people on there here a week or two ago. Okay. So we're really starting to get traction. All right. And we have a conversational where people, the, the thing is designed for new people. I know this is confusing. So people can come on here and ask questions and get answers. And I can't answer every question because there's so many complications, especially now. But we got a really good group of very, very bright guys and girls on there that know this stuff. And we have group conversations about it. And if I can't give you an answer, I'm sure one of them probably can or some additional insight. And so that is what it's mainly designed for. And it's very productive. And we're there five days a week. Um, I do a Sunday show over on Patriot Soapbox Radio uh, from, uh, let's see, I guess the same time, 11 to 1 Eastern. And then uh, about a month ago, Sarah, did you know of a guy named Ralph Winterout? You ever heard that name? No, actually. Uh, Ralph has been, he'd been in the IRS trenches for many years. He had a for over 20, maybe 25 years, he had a slot on Sunday night on Republic RBN and he passed away about a month ago and I've got that slot now. So I'm on Sunday nights over there on RBN from five to a six to eight Eastern, I guess. And I should plug this week because of the time of year, what I told you about, and we can come back and do it for you is I'm going to do a history, the origin, the history, the analysis and how it works of the entire tax system. I'm going to do that for them over on RBN Sunday night. Okay. You know, this tax, you you have any idea when this tax system started, just take a wag. Well, I thought it was after they created the federal reserve, but it was before that? How about twelve how about how about twelve eighty five? Oh, they took an old tax system and applied it. But they applied it after the well, Federal Reserve Act? 
Yes. Now they had to because that's what allows them to keep the value of the money out. Let's 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 go over this hypothetical example. Let's say you and I and a couple of our friends are satanic, blood drinking, Satan worshipers. I know it's hard, but let's just put ourselves <laughs> in that role. Okay. Uh, about three hundred three hundred years ago, and we're going. I said, Sarah, by golly, I know we can take over the world and control it. And you go. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Look, let's have a law system where this and we do this and we do that. And If this happens, we'll do that. And if that happens, we'll do this. They're not going to figure anything out like that. They can't see the future. They don't know what technology or developments are coming. But they can look behind them and say, let's pick this system up this work for a couple of thousand years. And let's just bring it forward and change a few of the labels and the names to protect the guilty. And we'll impose that on them. Which one of those two you think they're going to do? Well, yeah, they did that. Okay, it's exactly what they did. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's the only thing they could do. And so that this system, even though it goes back to antiquity, it started in England in 1285. And you know why it started? Because we lied. Anglo-Saxons lied in common law courts and cheated Jewish merchants out of their profits and that brought up, upon us this system. We're still with it today. Our sins brought this system on. Well, there are sins that we're having to deal with. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming to the program and giving us this much of your time. And um, let me, let me, before we button it up, we got a couple of minutes because I really have missed the punchline totally here. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, give on, us your punchline. Jeez. Oh, okay. Okay, well, on that statement, well, we get we getting off on these rabbit trails, you know. Uh, so which is all right. I'm not complaining. But let me just show you, would you like to see how easy it is to get out of this? Yes. All right. Well, that document we had up earlier, um, uh, travel.state.gov, a certificate of non-citizen nationality. Do you still have that open? Yep. Okay. Well, what I'd like for you to do is go down to the very bottom of the page. Now, there's a paragraph there. Don't read the paragraph. It's fluff. But there's a, in quotations at the very last is one sentence. And I would like for you to read and insert your name into that sentence and read it not only for yourself but for the audience. And this is how difficult it is to get out of this. Oh, you're kidding me. I, Sarah Westall, nope. don't say my name. I, being duly sworn, hereby declare my intention to be a national, but not a citizen of the United States. Bingo, you're out. You just use this form? You can use that sentence. I, I doctor it up a little bit. Oh, this isn't a form. I like to say, I, I, Roger Sales, do swear under penalty of perjury of the United States of America. That's the without jurat, which is the penalty of perjury. My intention to be a national with God-given constitutionally protected capital R rights and not a citizen of the United States in a condition of voluntary servitude under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment. You don't even have to, you sign it, you don't have to notarize it, but it's best to, and you send that to the Secretary of State, and you're out, baby. They can't do a thing about it, because it's your choice, not theirs. Interesting. I like that. Okay, and you actually gave us a copy of, of a sample one, didn't you? See, it's easy. You gave me one. Yes, I did, and then there's another paragraph that's optional for the people that are really, you know, can't wait to get notice into the IRS. Because what happens after you sever this with the Secretary of State, in essence, he's the lord of the feudal manor, the federal feudal manor that's got all responsibility for the serfs. And so when you go to him and volunteer out, you're out. 
All right. Well, now, now can you still use you your social security number when having a job yep, and everything yep, else? Yep, yep, yep. Well, social security number is not a nexus to the system. I, I attached my affidavit when I opened my account 11 years ago, and they hadn't missed a payment yet. Okay. So, uh, anyway, um, what, what, what I advise people to do is once you've got that done, then we want to go back and weaponize your position like a porcupine. You've got porcupines up there in Minnesota, don't you? Well, you got, you know, when they all get puffed up with those spines out there, and that's what you want to do with your new uh, freedom and position. And you do that by utilizing a very important concept of law called due process, which I think everybody's heard of. Due process is elemental to all systems of law, and it's basically notice and the right to be heard. So now you're putting them on notice that this affidavit is filed at the right guy and that your status has changed and they don't have jurisdiction over you anymore. And you can do that with federal agencies. The paragraph on that sample affidavit I sent you is specifically targeted for IRS. All right. And it says, according to as a U.S. national, I'm non-resident to the residency and alien to the voluntary servitude status of the 14th Amendment as qualified at 26 CFR 1.1-1 parentheses A as a non-resident alien. And what you're doing, you know, if you got you got a dog, I heard you heard Mark. Yeah. Yeah, my little doggy when barking. It was puppy, and it, it well when it when it poo pooed in the floor, you rubbed its nose in it, right? Well, that's what we're doing with the IRS because we know their game now, and we're rubbing their long proboscis right in it. All right, with that statement right there, and that protects you. Yep. Well, it takes you out of their jurisdiction. If they come at you now, they're acting outside of their delegated responsibilities because they can only attach those taxes to citizens of the United States and residents. If you're not one of those, they can't. They're acting outside of their delegated responsibilities, and now their agents lose their cloak of immunity, and they become personally liable, and you can take them for everything they've got. And But you can still get a passport. You can still do all that stuff. Oh, well, yeah. They and can't. you're, See, you're the, sovereign, that's why right? I had your, you're, well, you're no, technically... you're a national. Drop that sovereign. You're a national. But isn't, isn't technically the same thing, or no? Yes, yes, okay. but you know, it's like Rush Limbaugh used to say, words mean things. Okay, well, what is the negative of, a, of the word sovereign? The FBI's sovereign citizen squad. Well, if you are, if it's legal and you're doing the right, or lawful and you're doing things right, why, they can't go after you either, can they? They're, you know, it's just like this. They've gone to a whole bunch of trouble. We've just scratched the surface on this here today, Sarah, really. They've gone to a whole bunch of trouble to assign these specific definitions to these specific words. Now that we know their game and we know the definitions are connected with what words, why not use their words to unlock the keys to the matrix? Yeah, so, but if you use that word, you, they... I just, you can use, listen, you can use it if you want. I'm not arguing I'm, to use it or not. I, I'm just trying to understand if it means the same thing. Why do they me, go after quote, you? Me, Aren't they out of their jurisdiction? Well, because, but, uh, well, let me, let me, let me see if I can address your question a different way. When, do you, and I know you don't know the answer to this. Okay. But I'm going to ask you anyway, when were you exposed to Alice in Wonderland? Uh, when I was a little kid at some point. I don't remember. Okay. All right. Well, let me give you a quote from Alice in Wonderland. I found this in the front page of the legal research manual when I went through paralegal school years ago. Okay. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said, 
in a rather scornful tone. It means exactly what I say it means, no more, no less. But the question is, said Alice, how can you make a word mean so many different things? The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, who's to be master? That's all. They pulled this off by imputing specific definitions to specific words and then using them in spe with specificity in context. In other words, they set us up with generalizations, just like you said. Well, all those words mean the same thing except that in their statutes and regulations, all of them don't mean exactly what that one means, and that's the one they're using. So they set us up with generalities, and then they zap us with specificity. That's why it's important. Well, because other, other people talk about a sovereign, and they really spend time on it. And that's why I... And that's true. Yeah. But you can get yourself but into trouble, But don't use I that guess, word. Huh? Well, you could, especially if you hadn't done things correctly. If you've done stuff correctly, there's not much they can do to you, okay? It's not going to undo what you've done. But it's these people that haven't done things correctly, that haven't filed something with the Secretary of State, like some of the people we talked about earlier, they weren't doing that. They were filing them with the Secretary of State of the States and then had some Internet platform that you registered on. And according to an 1835 court case, it, and I sent you, there's a copy of that in the exhibits I sent you, and I sent it to you the other day also. I'm going to paraphrase it for the, audience, for the audience, okay? And it's an 1835 Supreme Court case, and it's the style of it, the title of it, is very hard for me to pronounce. It's like Ubu Tutu versus DRC. It's a very unusual, looks like an African name, okay? And what, remember now, in 1835, there was only one status, that was a state citizen. There wasn't a 14th Amendment status yet. Okay. The blacks were still slaves. All right. And so in that case, it comes up as to citizenship. And the case, I'm paraphrasing here, a passport is a political document issued by the Secretary of State to introduce you to foreign countries. And it's rather a political document and it's drafted under the law of nations. If we had more time, I could show you the importance of that. And so it says, but. If this is a fact of citizenship, it's an entirely different matter. And the passport becomes an ex parte, a separate document. And it's only determined by whatever paperwork is in possession of the Secretary of State, if admissible in a court of law, should be considered the higher and better evidence. So it's that little sentence in the possession of the Secretary of State, so it's in your administrative file. And if it's in that condition, and you ever, you know, one of the big questions I get, what about when they take you to court? They're never going to take you to court. They don't have jurisdiction. And this is the other reason. If you get into a court because that's already in their court of record, the administrative state, you can bring that into the court and it bypasses the rules of evidence and they can't keep it out. And this information they don't want in one of their courts, which are targeted for citizens of the United States and resident slaves. Okay. They don't want them knowing about this. So the only thing they could do is declare war on you 
And the only thing they can do is take the mask off and come after you and be open tyrants. And the more of us that we get understanding this and submitting affidavits of freedom to the Secretary of State, the better shape we're in and the worse shape they're in. As our ranks grow, they become more tenuous on their possession because they can't go. Like, for instance, you know, all these threats. Oh, you're a white supremacist. Oh, the hate laws. Oh, you're a this, you're a that. All those are written for residents and citizens of the United States. If you're not one of them, they can't attach any of that stuff to you. Yeah, well, it's all BS anyways. Okay, well, good. Okay, there's a lot more sure for is. everybody to learn here, but I feel like I'm making progress. I hope people are making progress. And um, we got to have you back. I'm, we're learning so much about history and about. I have Bobby Bounds that comes on too, and he's so, he's so great. I just want everybody to kind of come together here. But this is really really great stuff. And I will post some of these this affidavit of citizenship for people up in a couple of your documents so people can get that. And we just have to do another one. I just appreciate. It. Thank you so much. And again, do you have a website? Just a simple website people can go to. I do, I do. It's not, it's not real up to date, but it's a good website. It's got some very good information on it. Sovereign to to surf, sovereign to surf dot com. You can see a nice picture of me. I'm in Ecuador, uh, standing right by the center of the world, what they call the middle of the world here, where it's the only place on land on the earth where your GPS reads all zeros, Sarah. Oh, Pretty really? That's cool. Place. That's yeah, great. yeah, it is. And uh, I'm on the air on those places now. I like I've I've done a couple of what I consider this is a good interview here, but more of the ones where I covered the stuff logically in order. Okay, and and so what I'm going to offer to your audience is if they'd like to get, I sent them to you. If you want to post them, that's fine. But if you don't, I, 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 that's fine too. No, well, uh, send it to me because well, I think I, okay, I think this I is did. something where people would want to hear okay. hear okay. it a number of times. Well, I did a really good interview about a year or so ago with Deanna Spingola, mm -hmm. who's not on the air anymore, unfortunately. Deanna was a friend of mine, and I really did. That was one of the better interviews I've done. And then back in January, I did one with Tom D., who's the guy that's taken over for Statmiller for Republic. And yep. he's been studying this stuff for 40 years, longer than me, you know. And he goes, Roger, this is what I've been looking for for 40 years, man. Okay, so I did a real good interview with him. I've sent them to you, but I can resend them to you if you want to post them on the web page underneath these articles or your page there. Or if not, here's how people can get me. Okay, I'm Radio Ranch. That's the name of my program. No space. Radio Ranch. Two words. No space. Radio Ranch at mail. M a i l dot com. Radio Ranch at mail, M-A-I-L, dot com. And if you want a collection of information, just put in their matrix docs, and I'll send you back a whole little, what I call a new student package. Okay, that sounds great. I'd appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, uh, you know, listen, let me reiterate. This isn't stuff that I've just pulled out of thin air, okay? What you've heard today is the result of more than a hundred years of three men's lives and sacrifices. And my, my teacher spent 15 and a half years in federal prison, not because of teaching this information, but because they were onto this and just to get them off the streets. Glenn was up there by you in some minimum security facility in Northern Minnesota. 
uh, actually for not for a lot of time. But uh, we don't come by this information lightly. There's been a lot of sacrifices and pain to get to this point. And what you've got here is the raw truth. And you can untie the Gordian knot here, okay? And you don't have to hack at it with a sword like most of the other folks in our industry do because they don't know they're fighting the feudal system. That's the reason I'm successful and they're not to that degree is they don't even know the system they're fighting. When you know the system you're fighting, it's voluntary servitude. You've got to be able to volunteer out. All you got to do is find out how to do it. And we've done that. Well, this is absolutely great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Roger, for coming to the program. And it's over two hours now. So, um, I'm a little zoning out. You, uh, you probably have uh, people who can focus longer than me, but two hours and 15 minutes and I start on stuff that well, I don't know. I start to zone out. But this is really you're great. Getting a lot of, you're getting a lot of very complex, complicated stuff thrown at you here, and you got to go back and untie these knots in your mind and go back and let all this stuff settle in and you see where it fits in and how it works. And as you do that, you'll get more and more comfortable with it and get your arms around it. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And I'd be tickled to death to come back with you. And I would please, I beg you for your help with people like Sean and your other connections. And let's get this in front of bigger groups of people and let's get some action going where we got numbers. Cause that's what scares the pee waddling out of these guys. Yep. Okay. Well, I don't care about scaring them as much as, as uh, I don't care if they're, I don't care anything about them. I think that we just need to change this and free, free people and, and move towards a, um, enlightened humanity and whatever happens to them happens to them. I could give a crap. Right. Well, I think they ought, we ought to go find tall trees and real short ropes and every one of them needs to hang by the neck until dead and left there for a week to rot. <laughs> every one of them. Yeah. They'll send a message for sure. Okay. Well, thank you so you much. See, they've, they've convicted, they've convicted themselves when you submit that paperwork and they can't do anything but stand mute because of a legal canon that says silence deems consent. So they actually admit to all of their crimes of fraud and non-disclosure by not being able to address and answer that affidavit. Yeah. Well, they've done a lot more than this, but okay. Well, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They, these people are incredible. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You have a great weekend. Thank you, Sarah. You too. And I'll look forward to the next time we communicate. Okay. Okay.